Welcome to the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners to what's happening in Israel and give you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, here, as always, with co-host Alan Goldman. How you doing, Alan? Just great, Mike. Just great is great. And joined by our colleague and friend, Benji Davis. How's it going, Benji? Great! Okay, Tony the Tiger. Yes, well, you got it. Uh, well, as the uh, world falls apart, Alan had a question for us, a timely question for us as educators watching the chaos in the United States. And we thought that's, as teachers, we would save it for the podcast and have that conversation here. Alan, what were you, what, can you uh, rephrase your question, restate your question? Uh, uh, yeah, Mike, I'll try and do it uh, clearly. But of course, when world events happen, um, we obviously, as teachers, um, we always have to make a decision. Are we going to deal with them? Are we not going to deal with them? And then we have specific world, world events that come even closer to home. So then we, you know, it seems kind of obvious we have to deal with them. Um, and this one that happens, obviously, we're talking about what happened yesterday in the United States in the Capitol. A mob Washington. taking over and occupying the Capitol and doing damage. Yeah. And three people dead. Yeah, or four, potentially. Four now? Yeah. 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 Well, the woman and then three other people would mysteriously have not said what it has to do with. Um, But um, so I I was just thinking, like, we're in a a very interesting, unique, peculiar position in our our classrooms um, because – so I was thinking, like, how we could – we could talk about how we deal with sensitive subject um, in our unusual position that we're all expats – Americans, but we're also, of course, Israelis. Um, how do we teach Americans who are on an overseas program for a year? Not only Americans, but the majority who are Americans are over a year. Um, and then the co- conflicted nature of Israel's relationship with President Trump, who is at the, you know, at the, you know, center of all this, and and the Orthodox Jewish community, who make up probably, you know, seventy-five to eighty percent of our students, if not more. Um, uh, the Orthodox community who tend to favor also President Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought all these kind of, you know, things that are integrating are, are very interesting. How do you walk into the classroom and have a discussion about, like, these sensitive issues and and be a teacher who brings clarity mm-hmm. to the situation mm-hmm. and helps students work through what's happening and not, uh, and not just get on the bandwagon of, you know, the polarization, this or that side, or what have you, and also taking into account that students, of course, um, have different perspectives in your classroom, and you want to create a safe space so that you can have constructive um, discussion uh, and maybe even debate um, um, to help students work through this. So that that's what. How's that sound? That sounds good. Can I add one element to your frame and then ask you one question? Yeah. Yeah, sure. The one element I would add to the frame is it's not just that you have many students who support this particular President Trump and some who don't. It's that the discussion itself is so fraught and so difficult all over society that people approach it with these polar divisions and don't the communication has broken down overall, especially when we talk about politics in general, but about the president as a figure specifically, then how do we as a teacher bring those to the classroom. So I would add that to the framing. And my question is, are we addressing it at all 
why are we why do we feel the need to address this if we're israel educators and this is an issue that oh. happened in america so so and, and i can come up with a few reasons why but but do like if i had class today i would mention it in class so why yes. why why do i like uh, so so i thought about this i, I thought I, thought I kind of thought long and hard about this um and I think for, for a couple reasons in terms of our position as teachers, one, one thing is our class is one of the only classes that our students have mm-hmm. who are in, right, who are in Judaic studies programs, basically, mm-hmm. um, right, that that's what they're doing in gap year here. There's mm-hmm. all their subjects are, and many of them, what we would call, you know, Limude Kodesh or the, you know, the, the religious studies. Judaic studies, and, you Torah know, studies, however yeah. you want to frame it. Exactly. And our, and our, our job, more than any other teacher, is really talking politics. We talk a lot of politics, even though our class isn't current only politics. Right. Politics and current events are, are definitely a core of what we're doing. Um, and so I think in that sense, it, it makes sense to talk about that um, in, in our class. And, of course, the Israel-America relationship is, is also a, a very important fundamental of our class, especially since one of our goals is to prepare our students um, with a you know uh, complex educated uh, thought process uh, for going to college next year mm-hmm. and how to think about issues and and, and this is you know uh, I, I wouldn't say this is our bread and butter but it's certainly at, at at certainly the core I think of what we do and what we're supposed to do. So, I think we're not just I would put it the way I think of it for myself is we are Israel educators that's true. But we're Israel educators in the framework of social studies or, or civics educators. We're not we're not just teaching about we're not teaching about Israel from the perspective of you know what is the historical relationship of the Jews to the land. We're teaching about as a living, breathing Jewish state, how is it supposed to operate and interact with the world? And so these sort of civics questions are very important, I think. Also, how they interact, how their own individual civic identity, how Israel plays a part in it. I think like Jewish civic identity, perhaps, or just like a generic Jewish identity of Israel education, um, even in the Orthodox, modern Orthodox kids that we work with, you know, it's still about how they understand being Jewish in the modern world. And they're going to be going back and living in a modern world that is not the bubble that they're in right now and how Israel plays a part of it, how they understand it. And then, you know how they articulate how Israel is a part of their own human and Jewish identity. And this event in the United States is a very important event, a part of their human identity as Americans. And so how does Israel fit into that? I think is an important conversation because they're here. Israel is important to their identity, but they're also from there. And they're Jewish, as in do they feel fully a part of that process that's happening there? How does it reflect what they think about democracy in general, democracy yeah. in Israel. Um, I think it brings up a lot of questions of individual identity in, in general. Um, and for people living in Israel right now, um, and that's really their home, if this is their homeland, it's an important conversation. It's to the top off. of the Israeli headlines. Israeli media is flooded yeah. with, that's the big story, is what's happening in yeah. America. Well, I think that's most around the even- world, it would be because yeah. it is absolutely outrageous. And I remember waking up, I remember it was today. I went to sleep <laughs> at, you know, around nine o'clock last night and I was watching the certification thing and it just- Oh, you missed all just, my WhatsApps. 
<laughs> they 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 paused because the, they objected to Arizona. I was like, oh, I'm going to sleep. I'm right, and then I wake up, and they're just reconvening because right. all of this cr- crap had happened, and I just like, what happened in the last yeah. eight hours? Like that is mind-boggling. Well, yeah, yeah. I, again, I, I also I was doing work, and I was like looking at my at Mike's WhatsApps and also like the news headlines. I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. A few people are going in and, you know, this and that. And then I, like, cut off because I was in the middle of work for about, like, half an hour. My son called me. He's like, are you watching what's going on? I'm like, I mean, I have been, but not. And I went back and I know it had, like, all, you know, the whole world had kind of <laughs> exploded there. In, well, look, in, you know, I think I think shirtless Buffalo hat man, you know, he's new as the head of the Senate, but we have to give him a chance to <laughs> grow into the role. <laughs> I mean... It looked to me, yeah. I mean, it looked to me like the Visigoths sacking Rome. I mean, just the images of it historically were, yeah. were shaking. Well, they and, didn't. They, and, and, and I would, by the way, just really know, it was clear they had no plan. They didn't really know what, I mean, it was just kind of like a horde. It of was course. really a horde. Yeah. So. It was like a shuffling zombie uh, horde. But it you seems like it me. was organized is what I, what I was gathering in the. I don't know. I was listening to CNN. They're saying that the, this was organized on the internet. But what would they, they, they weren't murderous. No, right? they, were, they weren't trying no. to go and murder politicians. I mean, they, they took over the U S Capitol building with that. And then that, sorry. Um, they took over the U S Capitol building and, uh, that yeah. they, they did, they achieved what they wanted to do. I mean, that I can't was- imagine. Can you, can you imagine that? Group hundreds of protesters taking over the Knesset. I mean, it's impossible. It did happen. It did happen. Yeah, but that was. Go yeah, ahead. In the fifties. You, you remember when, know. Alan? Alan knows. Uh, you go again. again. The, okay, so the incident that I'm aware of, so and I, I, I didn't think of researching it beforehand, but uh, uh, when when Ben Gurion was agreeing to take reparations from the Germans. Exactly. The opposition led a ra- like a rally around the Knesset that got really ugly, and and they had to uh, like evacuate the Knesset. There were people like throwing rocks into the windows. Wow. And- but it was the old Knesset in downtown, in not Ke- where on King George. Today. Yeah. 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 That was the really? that was the closest I can think of that it ever happened in Israel over that issue. So so how so how do we so how do you deal with it in the classroom? What do you walk in the, the way, classroom? Can with I just this? add one you... pedagogic addition yeah. to why we should talk about it aside from our and yeah. it's also partially the reason that we're we're talking about it on the podcast today. We had a different topic plan. I think part of it is when people are when there's a story that shakes us emotionally, it becomes the elephant in the room that you have to address. Like mm-hmm. I, I think as a teacher, sometimes in real time, I have to help uh, students uh, process something. So now. That that connects to your point, Alan, about like where the people who talk about politics and and current events. So yeah. so in particular, when there's a when there's a this is too big. Right. It's like we're and, and that's what we're doing now. Also, we're ourselves processing it. Correct. Correct. So why why do you think that our role is more complicated as expats? Because um, we're also processing it. Is that what you mean, or? Yeah, because we're 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 there, but we're not there, you know. Like our families, most of our families are there, and we're you know we obviously connected. We all have strong American identities. I know that just from us, but yet 
you know, we, we have laid in our fate with a different country and state. You know, the yeah. state for the Jews that we that where we, we have laid our fate there. So we, we're insiders, but we're also outsiders. Yeah. You know, we understand the culture. We grew up there. Maybe we even look at the politics as there as much as we do here. But we are outsiders because but, but, but we're really outsiders because we have put our fate in with a different country and we've grown, raised our kids here. And this is where, you know, raising well, that's a disadvantage. Uh, and raising our kids here. Yes. Yeah, it's a disadvantage, but it, but it puts yeah. us in a different, you know, and unique position yeah. with our students, right? Because most of our students will not make Aliyah, most likely, and most of our students, you know, are here for the year, but they're also a little bit outside now because they're away from it. Yeah, that also gives a different that that can be alienating, also, by the way. You're you're not sure what's going on. It's scary. It's scarier because you're far away. What about what about the Trump conversation and how that's? Complicated I also think another. Uh, one and then another thing I wanted to add to that, we get to the Trump thing first, is the the anti-Semitism aspect of it. The guy wearing Camp Auschwitz shirt, mm-hmm. another person was wearing um, six million wasn't enough. I think yeah. it's six M W E means six million wasn't enough, right? So was, there's right. there's a lot of stuff here that connects to their you know identities and being an American Jew today, oh. ascendant anti-Semitism from the white nationalists. And the anti-Semitism yeah. from the far left, or the new congresswoman quoting uh, Hitler. Yeah, yeah, that was. If you listen to the whole thing, that was so, so tone deaf. I, I don't think it was malicious. Her point was. I, I, I actually thought it was more scarier when she was. That was crazy. It was Hitler yeah. was right about one thing: that you have to get yeah. the children's. You have to indoctrinate children. What do you, you want to create like a right-wing Hitler youth? Is that what you're saying? Like, that's just that's what I'm saying. Yeah. crazy. I think a tr- Trump youth. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's, uh, that's yeah. me. It was scarier in that sense. It's like, you know, you need to get to the kids to get them to know, you know. Well, that's true. I mean, everybody understands. And I think, I think, I think we, we all agree that civic education in the United States hasn't been doing a great job over the last generation. But what yes. she's saying is our political ideology has to create like a cast of young yes. people who are true believers. Like that's, yeah. I don't think she meant again, it like maliciously, like I don't like Jews. I think she meant like, you know, Hitler was onto something creating a Hitler youth. Yeah. Yeah. That's scary. Why so would that be your, why would that be, why would Hitler be your educational model? <laughs> well, exactly. Cause, cause you want to indoctrinate people into your very hateful ideology and that's your utopian vision for your society. That's yeah, I guess I don't, I don't know anything about her, so I don't know. I don't know anything about her know, here, but that's my assumption. Yeah. I don't know either, but if that's your framing, then there's a problem. Yeah. That's a really creepy that, framing. That's a, I, back to the classroom conversation, how I would think about it is two conversations. I mean, or it'd be based on the group of students, but kind of, Okay, for the students that, you know, the majority of people are Trump supporters, and let's say students for the majority of people are not, I I think it would be two very different conversations. Uh, And I would... Really? Why? Because, let's say for the non-Trump supporters or more pluralistic programs or, or liberal students, this would be framed very much in the American conversation of... Look at the people with white privilege that were able to storm the Capitol and only 13 something people were arrested. Imagine if these were people of color that stormed the Capitol and everything, right? As in kind of framing it in, in that way. 
um, versus, you know, I can even say for people I know that are Trump supporters and the response was, yeah, but the Black Lives Matter looting was okay, but this isn't like the whataboutism. So as in people's personal politics are going to be coming into the conversation and we want to, I think, recognize the legitimacy of their political identities, but perhaps also to really understand, uh, you know, the political context of this. Well, that's why I would hope that as an educator, I could have a conversation, the same sort of conversation where perhaps different questions might be asked, but I should be able Correct. to have that that's... conversation in either, either no, environment no, I agree. And, and recognize that most environments are going to be have a mix, right? Yeah, no, I think it's rather how I would think about, it's the same conversation, but I'm thinking about how the conversation would be based on the room is, as in right. for, those, for those, you know, seeing it at like a, a pro-Trump, room you want to bring in those voices of you know but look at these white nationalists and how they're treated and clearly if it was people of color like you have to recognize it would be different in the way they treated the black lives protesters this summer in dc versus the like you can't deny that there is an issue there's a systematic issue here uh, while at the same time for a group of people that only sees it in that lens it doesn't take away you know from the people that say well you know there are some policies of the trump administration that were actually really good for humanity Right. As in just because like this awful event. And I think the 25th Amendment is something that should be on the table and maybe you shouldn't do the last 13 days. Like, I mean, I'm not a Trump supporter, but I can I want to bring into the conversation that I can still recognize that really seems to be bad for democracy world in America. There's still policies that affected the country and perhaps uh, affected at least me as a citizen of Israel in the Middle East, you know, like uh, with the peace process and the Abraham Accords and things like that. They were mm -hmm. actually they were very good for humanity. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's very hard for a lot of our students to get out of that black and white prism of it's either really, really good. And I have to frame this. So the guy I like or the political camp I'm in still works out. So I'm going to go, but the, what about isn't, but what about those people or another frame of this just solidifies that this is literally the most evil man on planet earth and is responsible for one of the worst days in American modern democracy. And perhaps maybe we can entertain both truths at the same time. Well, that's it. I, I, to me, it's not necessarily, well, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I don't, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't use that framing of entertaining the troops. I would say if if we can have a conversation. Truth, 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 truth. truth that you, truth. Oh, oh, truth, yeah, that is better. I not truths, not talking about zoom. troops. <laughs> gotcha. No, but I think, it, I think the, you know, the more light, less heat model of, I think I think the classroom is a great place to actually model the civic idea of people disagreeing dispassionately, even though we're – look, when you're among your friends who agree with you, you can bellyache and passion all you want. But when you're in a group of people who disagree politically, you can still have an intelligent, reasonable, con con reasonable conversation that's fair and, and respects different opinions but weighs things. I mean this one actually is particularly easy. Because it's so egregious that that you don't have a lot of. I mean, I, I don't know who's defending incitement to I think, to to mob attack on the Capitol. Like I, I think this one's pretty clearly. Ah, so I think that that's. Mm -hmm. I think that that's maybe. I mean, I think part of it is Benji. Benji's not he, whatever. Um, but I think that 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 that's part of the the in that I would take in terms of the classroom, which is. Let's let's look at this like categorically. Mm -hmm. What do we all agree on is over the line, right? Right. What can we all agree on is over the line? Okay, violence, 
that is really just pure violence sake. There was no, there's no real, so their goal was to delay the vote or to stop the vote, mm-hmm. you know, purportedly. That's the, but the truth is it was really violence for violence sake. Um, and I think that if we can help students categorize the things which are over the line and then help them understand, okay, what is legitimate debate? We can debate, you know, what is the path for America going forward? We can debate um, that these policies are good and these policies are bad, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, and, and, and by the way, having ben a rally said, and a protest outside, that's good. That's good. Agree or we disagree with that. their point, but that's, that's what right. you do in a democracy. Exactly. So that's the part of the categorization. So, you know, what's bad is, is, is violence, random violence for violence. Sake. Pushing down what's the barriers, good is breaking protests. windows. Yeah. yeah. Protest, being able to protest, able to express your views, freedom of speech. Those are all good things. But if you're protesting something, Policy. like the whole protest that the election was stolen, I don't know. Oh, so that's part of the categorizing. That's exactly what I'm saying. So, okay, so what is legitimate debate? Is a, is a legitimate debate over policies? Is it over the framework of the election? Okay, now let's deal with that. What was the election stolen? What was the process? How's the process here? Because there are people, I mean, I've had in my class, students say the election was stolen. Right, and our, I, bet, right. I wouldn't and be surprised if many so, of the listeners believe that if 70% of Republican voters believe that, then you have to think that's about 30 to 40% of the American population. So it's and a, here's the trick, a, gentlemen. So, so the question is how you have that discussion in class well, about he, how we understand what the process is. But there's a deeper problem. There's yeah. a deeper problem. Because if I don't like a particular policy and I rally out in the street to protest it, but if I literally believe that it is true that a, a conspiracy from within the deep state has subverted democracy, then is it unreasonable to storm the Capitol building and demand that my America not be stolen from me? It does not sound words, unreasonable if, when you frame it me, that way. If you frame it that way, it's not that unreasonable. You stole from so, me, I stole from you. You stole from me, so, it's, and, and, and if you so, listen to what they're chanting, it's it's our this is our house. They're right. Right. So, uh, well, yes and no that they're right because it's also a, a classic. You know, it, it, it's a classic. Um, should I say extremist? Um, tac- I don't know if tactic, but perspective. When all of a sudden I become the victim, everything's been stolen from me, and I see us and, and us and them, as opposed right. to seeing that. We're all us, right? In other words, we're saying that, I, that it's my America. It, what they're clearly saying, and when they're saying it, at least my interpretation of it, but I think it's a fair interpretation, is it's my America, not your America. You've stolen the America right. from me. So, But then, Alan, so it is, I, it's not just a yeah. question of which tactics cross the line. There is something toxic in this movement that doesn't allow democracy to work. Because if I believe e pluribus unum, that all Americans are American, that yeah. the demos exists as Americans of people I agree with and that I disagree with, and that's what America is, and all our opinions need to be recognized, that, that, that means that when I want to express my opinion, I rally in the street. But if I don't believe in the demos of the e pluribus unum, if I believe my side is the truth and the other side are evil people, 
then I have to storm the house or throw the tea into the Boston Harbor because because philosophically what's being done is a violation of a social contract. And so I won't I won't allow that to happen. And so it's not just that the tactics, it's that the framing of the debate itself has become toxic. That's I guess what I'm that's what my point is. Um, so it's not that I don't. It's not that I don't disagree with you. It's it's how I'm trying to have this conversation in class is what I'm saying. I understand. You understand. So for me, so that that conversation in class is happening again through these categories, and 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 I think that most of our students who would think that there's a problem with the election and that there should have been a commission or whatever you say. I think that the vast, and again, I'm just, I'm just guessing, but I think it's true. A vast majority of them would say this was over the board. They don't agree with the, that the random violence are storming the Capitol. But um, they do agree that the election was stolen based on no evidence? But maybe, yeah, may, I think not all. I mean, I think there are some. I don't think it's a majority of our students. I think there are some that would say that. So therefore, I'm saying, so how do you, when you think something has been done, how do you address that in a democracy? I, so I, right? I, I, I really do think. You understand? Yeah, I, I do understand what you're saying. And I think part of it is that after the recounts and after the court filings and all the democratic processes were, were run through and every state, including Republican states, secretaries of state, ratified those vote counts, that at this point, your responsibility as a citizen of a democracy is to accept those numbers. That is a civic duty. Right. And so, and, so, I... and so to protest the reality that those numbers are fraudulent and part of a conspiracy, it doesn't, there's no option, there is no way to, to express that. That is a political approach which erodes the ability for democracy. There is no valid method so what are you suggesting into as a teacher in the class that's what i'm saying that if in a democracy we don't trust the system to give us valid vote counts then then we can't move forward as a democracy we have to agree so are you, we have to so are you ending your discussion in your class no, I'm not adding ending I, because I think I'm, every, I'm asking. I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing with you. What I'm saying is, I have a reality in my class, right? And it could be I have two, three, four, half my class thinks you know that the election was stolen. It's a conspiracy okay. and all that. So either I don't I don't approach it, or I you know I and I'll be honest. I'm not. Don't take this the wrong way. But you're coming I'm off not. a little preachy. Yeah. You're coming off preachy. So okay. it, you may say it may be you may be right. Okay, my job as a as a teacher at this point is to put it down and tend to preach. Yeah. Um, Listen, uh, so. I- I- investigations have been done. Investigations can still be done. And it may be, if you, wanna, if you want there to be more open investigations, if you want journalists to look into it to find the evidence, so far, there is not only zero evidence of a conspiracy to defraud the people on any vote count in any state, there is ample evidence that the vote count was done properly, and, and this and evidence by, has been gathered by Republican, in a, by Republican, by Republicans in states and the Trump administration. Right, right. By the Attorney General, acting uh, the Attorney General of the time, and right, and the Vice President now, who has accepted it. Uh, but so I'm just saying uh, that the, the so I, I I guess my my approach is to be I I don't want to lay down that line so you have to. 
You know, what I prefer to do is have the, to bring that out in the discussion of, this, of the students themselves. Yeah, I would want the students to kind of like the, the conversation would be, well, how does, what do you imagine a functioning democracy working? Right. right. And, you know, if you're putting together a democratic society, what are your five backbones or what is the foundation of this society? And so one of the foundations, Michael, you're saying is, well, we still have to believe in rationalism and empirical evidence. And if we don't believe that there is some sort of objective truth, right, that there are facts, matters of facts, right, that that are always going to be facts uh, that exist out in the open. And if we can't agree on that, the, the, the data, then then perhaps, you know, our democracy will shatter. Um, That's part we, of it. That you, right. you can't function Obviously. with epistemological nihilism, that nothing is knowable. My opinion is reality. That's part. Right. But the Alternative other piece, facts. Right. That's unacceptable. But the other piece of it is democracy works because there are systems in place. We create them. They're imperfect. And we rely on them. If there's a trial and I don't know, O.J. Simpson is acquitted, then O.J. Simpson is acquitted. I can think he's guilty, but he's that's the that's the system. And we all have to respect that system. Right. But it wasn't it wasn't a clear objective fact that he was guilty. That's why there's a trial by jury to, to figure it out. And the jury decides that he was innocent. They and could have gone think- against otherwise. Right. As in, uh, we could say, but there, there's a difference between like as in if, you know, besides maybe a margin of error, that clearly the evidence proves that the election wasn't fraudulent. Right. right? Because we have data to prove it. Like the data... There's no data that prove that O.J. Simpson murdered his ex-wife and her boyfriend. Well, right? there's, I mean, there's plenty, but anyway, yeah. The evidence. There's, there's a the bloody evidence. glove in his car. No, with, with the, no, but, no I, but we know that different. No, no, no. But we know enough doubt. We know the criminal. We know the court system is is wholly imperfect. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. We know lots of people get convicted of things that they don't belong to, and lots and of people get versa. acquitted from things they. Right. So we know that we know that the system is not. It's not perfect that there are a lot of people. So, but the sanctity of the courthouse the, the and of point. that of the judicial process has to be respected for society to function. Even if an occasional injustice happens, even Correct. if the innocent are sometimes punished, and hopefully less frequently than the guilty go free, but we know both happen, you have to allow the institution itself to stand and respect it. But these are two different things. One is about you know, objective facts and data. And one is the institutions of our state. That was the second, right. Right. So these are two fundamental tenets that we would want in a conversation for students to bring up themselves as opposed to preaching what Alan's saying. And I would agree with that. What are these fundamental tenets of a democratic society? So one is objective truth, even if you can have subjective interpretation and sometimes the subjective uh, has more authority than the objective, perhaps, Right. If we can't get to an agreement on some sort of objective truth, but sometimes there is no subjective interpretation of an election that wasn't fraudulent and saying it's fraudulent because then that breaks down the very society that we live in. And the whole idea of, you know, the whole point of a democratic society is to create a place where diverse groups of people can live together, even if they disagree. And we're getting to a point where this pluralistic foundation of, you know, American democracy is if you disagree with someone, then they don't belong in your country, perhaps, when these, right. white, these white nationalist pro-Trump supporters saying, we want our house back and, and stop right. the steal. Um, so, 
And so, but Benji, let me just get clear. What you're suggesting is you'd have a discussion with your students, or what are your what are the what do you think are the fundamentals of democracy and how you deal with it? Correct. And are these events that we're happening right now do they cut into those fundamentals, or are they a threat, or are they not? And I just saw this poll that says one in five Americans support the storming of the U.S. Capitol, and nearly half of Republicans do. And 68% of Republicans don't think it represents a threat to American democracy, whereas 93% of Democrats do. So I think that kind of, okay. Where's that poll from? Uh, I don't know. I saw on the YouGov poll. I saw on the Times of Israel. Uh. As in, that, the, as in, okay, so first, let's try and come to some sort of agreement or what are the tenets of a democratic society? And then, okay, are these events, do they break the tenets or are the, are the, the pillars, do they still stand? And, you know, then you can bring right. and where are students on the spectrum? Because clearly there'll be some that say it's not and some that will say it is. I think I, that was somewhat what I was trying to get with the categories. I think you did it in a nice way, Benji, of saying, OK, let's how do we get the students to like work through this process of creating what is what what should a democracy really look like? What should be the foundations of it and how do we and how do we get along? Um as a as a catalyst, you know, is this whole, you know, Balagan. Yeah, but say, I'm not discussing methodology. Finally... I'm asking, what could, do we not have any conclusion we think they should get to? Like, do we think it's okay? Like, if the student at the end of the day goes, I don't think it's a threat to democracy that they stormed the Capitol building. I don't think that was problematic. I think that was legitimate. So, do we go okay? I mean, I would absolutely share that I disagree, but I wouldn't impose my opinion on them. Well, I can't impose anybody opinion on anybody ever. I can. I can You're a teacher. It. You have you have power. You can absolutely. Uh, I I frequently and repeatedly yeah. make it clear to my students that my mm. opinion is in no way binding on them, and they should not take it as such. Co- correct, but you can still share it. But my question is, mm-hmm. should I not only share it, shut the kid down? No, guys, why, why am I being presented with binary choices? Either everything is open to anybody's opinion is valid or I'm like a fascist indoctrinator <laughs> sh- slamming saying. kids' heads into the wall if they don't automatically agree with me. Okay, That's so it? Those are that? my two choices? No. Because then I quit. That's it. That's it. <laughs> then I'm out. No, I think- I'd say – I think that uh, – I'll be – I'll say because I think – for first of all, an experience that I have experienced in the last couple of years is students taking the position that eh, democracy isn't really, you know, it maybe it's had its time. Democracy isn't necessarily, you know, uh, the, you know, so important anymore. We can have the other systems that that has become less rare than I would have ever imagined. Um, you know. So I'm not I'm not so sure that uh, I don't know what, exactly what I'm trying to say, but I, I, I there's been a clear move away. I I have seen from with some students from uh, a democratic ideal. Let's say I think we were raised, Alan, as old men. We were raised that the United States of America had a secular religion which was a passionate belief in liberal democracy and its values as framed by the United States Constitution. 
I do well, not. Sir, think... what they talked about in the Senate last night about the sacred duty of the of the senators for the, right. That's what they're talking about. Their sacred duty. Well, I thought Mitch McConnell actually framed it pretty well yeah. as yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a way to there's a way to do that, and there's a way that you're not doing that. That you're what you're doing is heresy yeah. to that. And right. so and so, what I am saying is, to a certain extent, obviously, education isn't indoctrination. But I do think in good civics education, you are trying to instill into the next generation a civic understanding of the principles of democracy and why they are necessary for a republic to function as a republic and not as a tyranny. And that there, there are obviously also shades of gray there, but that diminishing liberty diminishes the republic and automatically should be seen as dangerous if not you know lethal but automatically to say that i don't see why that's dangerous uh look sometimes you have to take dangerous risks you know you go a person goes into surgery there's danger there you get a vaccine that's risk but you but you but you have to weigh the risks so sometimes you can defend some risky behaviors but if we don't have a if we don't take The question is, as, as gap school educators, is it too late for us to come in and say we have a responsibility as politics, civics teachers to try to instill a sense of understanding and reverence for and loyalty to the principles of democracy? Is that our job? Huh. That's a good question. That's a great question. I think so. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, I, think I, I take, for, I take I think, that upon myself. And I say two reasons why, um, and this goes back to the expat identity and the Israeli identity. Um, if Israel is no longer a democracy, that will be really problematic for me and my Zionism and, you know, my understanding of being an Israeli is all about, for sure. And I, we, the four tribes of Rivlin's vision barely much speaks to me. And I think these four tribes... We need to figure it out and be able to work together with the Arabs, ultra-Orthodox, national religious, and, and secular Jews, even if I'm not sure I fit into any of the four. But nonetheless, um, we, the pluralism in Israeli society needs to work for this Jewish nation state to work for me. And then on the American side of it, I think if, uh, and looking at it as an expat to saying, okay, well, I kind of think about my Jewish identity as in I was lived as a Jew in America for 22 years and many of my family and friends are still there for I think a prosperous and safe Jewish community to continue to exist in America, the idea of a liberal republic and a democracy, it, it gave for the, you know, the greatest period of an American Jew, sorry, a Jewish diaspora community that we would, at least in modern history, perhaps, you know, ever. Uh, and I, if that goes away, you know, then, you know, it's maybe you're repeating what happened to the Jews in Spain all over again. And I would be, you know, very fearful for that as in what keeps, like I grew up, you know, I came of age in the nineties, you know, I post cold war before, I don't know, coming of age, I was 13, 14 when nine 11 happened, but just kind of that, I agree this whole idea of like American democracy and being it's the freedom and just, you know, the, the whole idea of you don't have to really worry about like, like the whole, conversation of Jewish identity and strengthening Jewish identity and intermarriage and assimilation is this amazing 
privilege that American Jews have in a way that no previous generation before World War II ever had. Are we going to lose that privilege if American democracy um, is, you know, going on this down downhill course? And I, I think that's a really important conversation to have because it shows the values of what does it mean to be American, but also like if you really care about being Jewish, whether in Israel or in America, like can you see you're continuing to be a Jewish person without a democracy? I think that's a really important conversation. And at least for me personally, I think it's very hard. And it's very telling that the two major Jewish populations live in democracies. And most Jews today can't really survive as Jews, not in democracies. Yes, Alan, we'll call on you since you're raising your hand so nice and politely. So I will, uh, I will, I will come from it at a different angle. I'm not saying this, I'm not, not necessarily different than you're saying, but from a different angle, which is that in the end of the day, we, what I really think our education is, is identity education. That's what we're in. It is. We're helping our students work through their Jewish identities. Um, and, and our particular place in that is how Israel plays into their Jewish identity. Right. That, that's really what we're trying to do. And the conflicts and the politics of Israel, how that affects their Jewish identities and what they do with that. I, I, that's the core of what we do. Um, and to recognize that their American identities for our American students are as strong as their Jewish identities. And even, we, you know, even of our overwhelmingly, you know, orthodox schools that we work with, most of those students, their, their American identities are just as strong as their Jewish identities. Um, uh, again, it's not like a zero-sum game. One is stronger than the other, this and that, but it is a very prominent part of their identity. Um, and I, so I think that it's, it, it, it is critical to their Jewish identities to, um, to have an integrated, understandable, balanced um, uh, uh, conception of what it means to be American, what it means to be Jewish, what it means to be Israeli, all those different things and how they play in together. And part of that is clearly, you know, American ethos and American values um, have, have been built on, on democratic, you know, uh, ideals if they don't always necessarily live up to them. Um, so just as it is as important for us to deal with, you know, issues of the woke generation, it's also important for us to deal with the issues of, uh, 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 of all different sides of American generation, American, American identity. So, but you're saying critically. So, yeah, everything has to be critical. I mean, it's important. Everything is. Well, needs but to that be isn't critical. that preaching. If a student says to me, "What do you mean? I'm the guy defending democracy. Trump won the vote. This is a there's an attempted coup to overthrow a democratically elected president from reaching his second term. And so, I believe in fighting for democracy." Well, I, that's why I think that. How do you respond to that? I, I think that I, exactly what I thought. Benji had a great plan. That was that would be my plan. What? And if he still, at the end of the day, says, "Yeah, but that's what I'm doing," okay. I mean, it's not my job to. Can you to convince be, a fool or a drunk know, of anything? Yeah. Like, it's the. Whole I'm not there to give truth and yeah. facts. If they really wholeheartedly believe that it was a fraudulent election, but we have clear evidence that it's not, how can you convince someone that won't be convinced by evidence? Uh, it's not that it's not my point and that's what i'm saying it's not my point to be convinced it's my point i thought benji had a great plan let okay let's put it on the board what are these things and if that person says well i am doing all that right okay so in your mind you're doing that that's what that's my job as a teacher i've i've tried to clarify things as much as i can i've tried to bring to light 
and hopefully we've had a discussion. Again, I'm not only one in the room. There's other students in the room, and there's back and forth, and there's discussion. Um, and, and, you know. So I'm saying I have an obligation also to point out those two factors, that if you're, if you're not relying on empirical evidence to support your opinion, if you're, if you're not relying on the institution's functionality, then, right. then you're not. But we know that the right say but we know that they're that they're going to argue over the empirical evidence. No, it was fraudulent. The evidence is fraudulent. Okay. Whatever. Uh, that, that, so that's what I'm saying. My job is not to. My job. I thought Benji again. I just thought that would that would be a good track to take. It is you're a great track to take. You're not litigating asking, what happens in the states. Yeah. We are rather how the students conceptualize it for themselves. Yeah. I, I understand. My question is: Are all conclusions equally valid? No, I mean no, they're not. Of course not, because if your conclusion is I got to go kill someone now, then that's not valid, <laughs> right? Like Why not? there, <laughs> because it's wrong. There are rules. There are laws. There is morality and ethics. There are times where you have to kill people. Yeah. Okay. A road death is coming after. Yes, I get right. it. Someone's gonna kill me. I'm gonna kill them because I don't want to die. Fair right. enough. How about? <laughs> Okay, so that if the conclusion is that because they fraudulently stole the election, we got to go out and shoot the Democrats. Not shoot, I, but storm, storm, that, storm the Capitol. Back, make the police back into a corner. Make Congress hide under their desks and flee to shelter. That's not that's not a acceptable conclusion, in my opinion. Okay, so they the question make, is, is it okay crimes. for a teacher? Can a teacher say that? Alan's well, they, saying, I don't think so. No, no, I'm not saying it. I'm not. I, I'm not saying I'm, I don't think so. I'm saying that that's not the that's not the goal of my class. I can give my opinion, right? I'm saying I a teacher can say right. Teachers can give their opinion. I'm always of that. I've always held that because I think they should actually because I agree. Our subjective opinions color how we're doing. But the goal of my class is not for the, everybody to walk out of there and saying storming the castle was wrong. No, that's a silly goal. That's not a that's not a good lesson. That's, that that's not my that's goal. A poorly that's a shaped my lesson. lesson is to my, Your lesson should my, be the richer goal, my and deeper than is, that. Yes, exactly. My lesson is to clarify what's going on. And you walk out of there and you say, "Well, I think that we, you know, if a student walks out of there still saying storming the castle was good, that's what the student walks out with." And then I think I also failed as an educator though. Because just because so that is not the goal of my lesson that day doesn't mean that yeah. that outcome and by the way in, in education you often fail with students but I would take that as a personal failure that I didn't get that I, I couldn't clarify to the point that that student understood why that's not how that's not that's not what the framers of the Constitution intended you can't tell me that that's what Madison meant yeah I would not uh, see it as a failure I would uh uh, last question. Do you think the complaints that BB took too long to respond in condemning it, uh, is that a fair complaint about BB? No, it was like 7.30 in the morning when they're complaining. Relax, yeah, it's, a, it's like so nitpicky. Let the guy have a piece of toast before he starts Jeez, his day. Louise. I don't you even care. I, I, don't, I don't even care. To me, that's the kind of issue like if you like him, then you're not going to complain. If you don't like him, then you will complain. Then you know what? Then if you I don't, don't like, like him, him, then don't complain. That's so nitpicky. It, would you rather he take too, too short to respond? 
Would you rather he take too long? I don't like nitpicking. I, I like it. Just talk with your advisors. Figure out the language. Post no, it. Not. He's posted it at a normal hour, in my opinion. I saw it was a few hours ago. Like, look, I don't, And that I don't, part of the political environment is my, I, I complain about everything the other side always does. And if I haven't done anything, then I'll find something to complain. And I think that's also not constructive. All right. Well, we ran a little bit long, I guess, because we are unpacking. Uh, I hope this is helpful to other people as they process for our students and others. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Benji. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. It's the end of and the episode. Go- Sorry? Bye. I just wanted to, you always do. It's the end of the episode. Bye you bye. Okay. And now it's the end of the episode. Bye bye. <laughs>